lovely broads. Welcome. Welcome to an episode that's going to not be about reality TV for the first time in, I don't know, B, what is it, like two and a half months? And I'm, I've been ready for it. Uh, it's been a hundred years. <laughs> it's been, it's been 92 years since we talked about something that wasn't reality TV. Uh, Though after Bachelor <laughs> Listen to Your Heart, um, which is only going to last for like three more weeks, um, I believe what we're going to do, we're finally going to deliver Becca's season, a.k.a. Ari. <laughs> Yeah, we might. I say we take like a maybe like a month break or like a two or three week break and just do all broad content exclusively to give you all a little break. Yes, we'll talk sex. We'll talk friendship. We'll talk uh, babies. We'll talk parenting. We'll talk all sorts of new things, some astrology, all that fun stuff. Um, And then after that little break, we'll get back into some Bachelor and we'll talk about Becca's season. (laughs) Uh, And oh, we just wanted to make a note that so for this episode, we did record it um, pre-quarantine. Like we mentioned this in the last episode, but we recorded it, I think, a couple days before the stay at home order. So just wanted to clarify when you see us all sitting together in a room recording. That's why. That's why. And I believe at the beginning of this episode as well, we are talking about what's going on in the world. And yeah, it was uh, like Becca said, a a day or two before the safer at home orders were set into place. So um, if our language feels like, wait, they're talking about it like it hasn't happened or it's just starting. That's why. Uh, also, just a reminder, broads, please, please do your part. Please stay at home if if you can. And if you uh, are not working for an essential business, because the sooner that we can all uh, just, you know, stay at home and, and kick this thing in the in the bud and flatten the curve, as they say, the sooner we can all get back to our normal everyday lives. So please do your part. Wear face masks in public. Wash your hands, please. And to all of our essential worker broads, thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank you so thank much. You enough. We love you all. And uh, you want to get into this, B? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hey, Broads. Hello. How are you doing? How are you, B? Good. Yeah, doing well? (laughs) Yep, no complaints. (laughs) I mean, we don't know. I don't don't think we know when exactly this one's coming out. So we're recording this episode in the midst of like the height of COVID. Like this has been, you know, two days after everything shut down. March 15th. We're documenting. (laughs) Documenting it now. March 15th, 222 p.m. Everything's okay. No runny I mean, 1400 exactly. yeah but this episode will probably drop more in the middle towards like middle end of april because our guest today which i'm very very excited has braved through some of this trouble sometimes was already over here to talk about her book that's coming out in april yeah. ruthie Lindsay. hi, hi <laughs> thank you so much for coming thank y'all so much for having me <laughs> we were just talking about it so you had plan to come out to Los Angeles, do like yeah. a bunch of press, right? For your book that's coming out. Yeah. I had a, a lot of podcasts um, planned and all, but 
to um, have been canceled. So I'm going to, I'm going to think a lot of studios are closing. Yeah. Down. A ton. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind the of big, the big thing. Yeah. So for the broads listening, Becca and I, we like home studio, which has allowed us mm-hmm. to be flexible because we only have us in the home or right. the studio. And then just a guest coming in and out, we're able to then like, you know, sterilize, switch, switch mics, do all that fun stuff yes. in between. Right. But most podcasts are there's like a big studio. There's a bunch yeah. of people going in and out constantly. So yep. you don't know, you know, if people are healthy coming in and out. So yeah. mm-hmm. you have to cancel it. Oh. Yeah. So and, you know, with I really debated on coming in the first place just because my neighborhood, I live in East Nashville and the tornado hit last week. Yeah. <laughs> and oh and I was just like, wait, is this wise? You know, so it's just been an interesting time. And but I think in my in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, well, this book tour will most likely be canceled. So I felt like it was just. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I mean, I did it and it's what it is. And so I'm really, really appreciative and grateful to be here oh with God. y'all. Thank We're so you happy to so have you. Much. <laughs> this is such a treat. Well, um, we I had actually been sent uh, your information by a few of our listeners who follow you. And they're really? like, you need to have Ruthie Lindsay on. You have to have her on. And then um, Jamie, who was on our Sex Witch episode, mm-hmm. which so yes. many of you loved, it was a great sent episode. me a message and she's like, you have to ha- meet one of our friends or one of my friends, Ruthie. And so Aww. it was just perfect. I think Aww, sweet everyone loves Jamie. And so oh everyone's going to love you. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so so do you want to give us a little bit of like, I mean, I know obviously with your book coming out, yeah. you talk about your story. Can yeah. We, do you want to just dive in? Yeah. Because we, we, we were yes. kind of like trying to listen to some of your podcasts that you're yeah. on and you have like quite a yeah quite a story it's been a journey yeah <laughs> to say the least I mean everyone is on a journey like you know but yeah I guess um a good bit of the book is me kind of telling my journey of it's a it's a lot of trauma which you know everyone has trauma and everyone has pain and then I also my favorite thing to talk about is like the healing journey mm-hmm. after <laughs> but I'll give you kind of context to get to the good part yes, you know a little background yeah yes. so um when I was a senior in high school mm-hmm. and where are you from I'm from deep south Louisiana oh, okay. I grew up on a farm my dad plowed our garden with a mule um just Love in the it. middle of nowhere no neighbors I had two older brothers um that I knew of at the time. Now I know of more. Another fun story. Oh, um, oh yeah. What oh, a it's, tease. It's so amazing. You can't make this shit up. Oh my God. Oh, can I say that? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can swear. I love you the like fuck it. word. It's like my favorite. Okay. So I, um, you Which, know. By the way, were you raised in a religious home at all? I grew up deep south. So it was more like moral. And we went to okay. the church every okay. Sunday. So maybe a little more cultural but than. Then, well. Um, I don't know. I mean, a little bit more, but then I got really involved with the church when I was like 18. Okay. So then I delved in okay. deep, okay. deep. Okay. So but I've your parents a lot of unlearning. Not necessarily. Okay. Theirs were more, my mom was on a journey because of a lot of trauma she had growing up. Mm-hmm. And my dad was very much like, be a good person. Like every time he leave my brothers and I'd say, I love you so much. Remember your manners and always look out for the little guy. Like mm. he wanted us to notice the one that was like being missed and yeah. to like enter in and to love that person. Like that's who he wanted us to befriend. Okay, broads, we have to take a quick pause and chat about something. 
Was there anything better growing up than Saturday morning cartoons with the most giant bowl of cereal you could fit in your little hands? Seriously, when I think back to growing up, those were some <laughs> of the best mornings. And I want Ember to have those same type of memories watching Saturday morning cartoons as a family eating cereal. Except here's the thing. There is a lot of mystery ingredients in that breakfast cereal, and I don't like that. And there's also a lot of sugar, and anyone who has a small child stuck inside the house with them right now knows packing them full of sugar when they're stuck in one room is kind of the scariest. And You're asking for it. it. You're asking for it, but we don't have to do that anymore because we are so excited that we have Magic Spoon cereals. They are the perfect healthier healthier alternative that I can feel good about giving my family. Magic Spoon cereals have zero sugar per serving. So that alone is amazing, but they also have 12 grams of protein. So that's insanely better than the breakfast cereals we grew up on. And plus, all their cereals are keto-friendly, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. They have flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosty, and and blueberry, frosted and blueberry. So they're flavors that are perfect for the kids that harken back to our days as kids. So... Yeah, all of us will probably love these cereals. They're so <laughs> They're dang so good. good. So good. I love the cocoa flavor because duh, chocolate. And Ember goes crazy for the fruity flavor. Um, I almost couldn't believe how great they tasted at first. You know how sometimes when you opt for the healthier version of something, you can tell because it tastes like maybe cardboardish. Not the case at all with Magic Spoon. Um, in fact, I would venture to say I would pick these cereals over the cereals I grew up with. Um, before I first put Magic Spoon in my mouth, I was like, sure, with those ingredients, this is not going to taste like my old school kid cereal. Well, they clearly have magic inside them somehow because broads, uh, not only does it taste incredible, the aesthetic these boxes, the colors, my Lord. Uh, talk about being able to be Instagrammable while stuck at home with a magic spoon box. That's an Instagram post right oh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go to magicspoon.com slash chatty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code chatty at checkout and you're going to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you your money. No questions asked. Again, that's magicspoon.com slash chatty. Use our code chatty for free shipping. Um, so, you know, I had pretty normal, had hard stuff just like everyone else. But for the most part, I was like very social, a lot of friends, didn't know a whole lot of really hard things. I would have told you like everything was perfect and great. So um, senior year, mm-hmm. uh, I had planned a bunch of friends to go to Baton Rouge and go to this place called Celebration Station, stopping at Hooters first, (laughs) as you do. And we stopped at this gas station on the way. And I was like, my friend Brian and I were the only ones that like didn't drink. But back then in Louisiana, the drinking age was 18. So we stopped at this gas station. Everyone went in to get like, I mean, liqueur, who knows, just (laughs) shitty alcohol. And um, I have no sense of direction whatsoever. And I'm older, so we didn't even have like smartphones to be able to follow each other. And so when everyone came back out, they all started kind of rushing and I was trying to follow everyone and didn't know where the hell I was going. And so I pulled out in front of an ambulance trying to keep up and I was hit on my car door going 65 and I broke um, three ribs. They punctured my lungs. My lungs collapsed, my spleen ruptured, and I broke C1 and C2, which are the top two vertebrae in your neck. I had about a um, 5% chance to live, 1% chance to walk. Um, 
Do you rem- do you remember it happening? I don't. At all? I remember right before. I remember okay. right before, and then I have little splashes of memory after. We're pretty. I'm pretty positive I died. Like my best friend. Um, Serious. Yeah, my best friend. I was in a lot of denial about that for a long time, but it's actually interesting. Like intuitives and other people have even said, like, you know, you died, and I'm like, mm, I think I do. So my friend that was in the wreck with me was like, you were just hanging over the steering wheel, not making sound, not moving. For like three to five minutes. And then all of a sudden I started gurgling. Um, And it was already like literally, you know, the chances of survival with that high up or not to have complete brain damage, you know, spinal cord injuries like that high up. You're right by your brain. So um, they knew not to move me because it was an ambulance driver, which would have for sure. I mean, that would have been the end. Um, I mean, yeah, if, if I would have been in that situation, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't and have I wasn't known, breathing I wouldn't and, have known not to, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known that I would exactly. have tried to move someone. Exactly. Oh and luckily God. none of the kids saw it happen. So they didn't, cause friends would have come. Rush and tried to, yeah. mm-hmm. No one saw it. So, um, I was on life support for a while. I was, um, in the hospital about a month and after about a week when I was stable enough and I was off of life support, they had to go in and take bone from my hip to fuse it into my neck. And back then they used wire and spinal cord fusions. And that was just the standard practice okay. back then to hold it together, right? So I left the hospital after Which my- Which literally sounds like what you would do with a tree. Like we're right. just gonna prop this up against I mean, it and wrap some oh wire God, around crazy. it. Wait, so, okay, so you were in, uh, on life support for a week. Yeah. Um. So is that like- is that like a coma? Is that I wasn't in a coma. Okay. I, it's kind of it's it's honestly beyond miraculous. Like it, I I don't think I was so young. I was seventeen. It was my dad's birthday. I was a senior in high school. You it was know, your dad's birthday. It was my daddy's oh. birthday. Which going back to like thinking I died and came back when I've done like astrology stuff, I connect so much to that date now. Really? Which honestly so crazy. Like so many attributes now fit. Scorpio. It's just weird. Anyway, um, and now we're back. So I um Oh, you talk astrology and we're like in. So don't yeah, even <laughs> you mean like in terms of a rebirth almost. Yeah. Oh wow. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. I have so many um characteristics of Libra and Scorpio. Hmm. It's really interesting. Interesting. So I um after I was stable. I was not in a coma and they, I have little flashes of waking up, but not much like, um, and I talk about this in the book. I remember them cutting my clothes off and I was like, y'all, I was the sweetest little, I, I was young for my age and I, I was also young emotionally in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like I was behind, I'd never dated. I was very like, wanted just to be so good. I don't think I understood. I know I didn't understand that I was just inherently good. And there was something Mm. I thought outside of me, like, I want to be good and I want to be a good girl, you know, and all of just the stories we tell ourselves that are just bullshit. But um, I remember (laughs) waking up in the ambulance and they were cutting my clothes off and I was trying to cover myself. So Brian, my best friend in high school who was in the car with me, they let him come in the ambulance and I didn't want him to see my boobs. (laughs) I was trying to cover myself. And then Brian said the first words I said um, when I was in the CAT scanner, MRI, whatever the machine was, was, excuse me, I'm very uncomfortable in here, <laughs> which now I'd be like, get me the fuck <laughs> And those here. are the first like, words that, wow, oh yeah. my God. I was just so earnest and yeah. so sweet and just, oh, just so precious. But I left there with a bail neck brace after about a month. Um, I was so lucky with young, you know, healthy, good health on my side. 
I graduated on time. I went back to school after Christmas. Wow. Um, That's incredible. I I wore a neck brace for like, I can't remember, maybe five months, six months. I... Looking at me, you would never know. All my scars are hidden from my hair and clothing. You know, I you wouldn't know. And I didn't also, really be in a hospital for a month is crazy, crazy, insane. I was so lucky and I went back to life. I was very dissociated. I would talk about it almost in third person like okay. it had happened. And we do that when trauma happens. Right. We like sure. abort to be able to survive. And I had no idea about any of that, of course, at the time. But I would like. People would talk about it and I would just be like, I'm fine. It was way harder for my family and my friends than me. Mm. Like mm-hmm. it didn't even really affect me, you know? And if I danced too much, I would get sore. But otherwise, I really didn't have any residual effects at the time. And so I just went on back to like my normal life, went to college, um, was very disassociated, definitely like a compulsive overeater. I think I was just trying to stuff emotions, you know, didn't know any of those things. I wasn't like therapy or anything, but I definitely was. How how was your family coping without uh, almost losing you? Yeah, it was really, really, really hard on them. Like super. That's why I used to say it was way because they were expressing. Yes, it showed way more. And we all just tried to get back to normal as possible, but Mm -hmm. no one really knew how to. But Mm -hmm. like I I got out of the hospital right before the holidays. And, you know, we were like, um, just going about life as normal and just trying. To, I didn't want to talk about any of it because it was just it was tr- it was trauma. Yeah. It was trauma and disassociation. Um, so graduated from college, was offered a job in Nashville. Um, I, back then again, I was like very much in the religion world, and I worked at a church many lifetimes ago, and I was trying so hard. To just I was so earnest, like I wanted so badly to be like good and. Um, all these things. And I met my very first boyfriend about mm-hmm. a year into that. And he was this precious drummer. And I was, my parents were like super stoked. My mom was convinced I was a lesbian. And I'm like, I <laughs> wish that'd be great. But I literally had never dated ever. I had like kissed a few boys. I never slept in a bed with another man. I yeah. nothing. So then bless our sweet little souls. We got married 10 months later because we felt guilty about having sex. First sure. of I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, I mean, we were both mm-hmm. raised very conservative. Yeah. So yeah, we hear you. Felt, you yeah. know, in, in my church, I was taught, you know, we were these like broken, depraved wretches that just needed Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. So, of course, the amount of shame stories around all of that was yeah. just mm-hmm. insane. So I um, got married. We were just excited to start our lives and bought a little house in East Nashville. And I went on tour with him. And about a year into our marriage, one day I was walking in front of the store and all of a sudden this crazy shooting So pain. at this time, how old were you? At that point, I was 24. Okay. Okay. So accident was 17. 17. 24. Yeah. Okay. Went back to total, I mean, literal no repercussions and besides getting sore sometimes. Okay. Okay. Um, This crazy shooting pain went up my head. Um, I remember thinking either I had been struck by lightning or I'd been shot. Like that's kind of how severe it was. That's how bad the pain was. And right. And in that moment, you're probably not really thinking rationally. No, and you're like, these are the only two possibilities. It was that severe. And I remember dropping to my knees, um, blacking out and getting like inky spots. Couldn't see. Was left with this crazy migraine. I just didn't know what the hell. It scared me so bad. Um, started going to all these different doctors. Every time I'd go to a new doctor, they'd have me do, um, uh, I don't ever remember if it was CAT scan or MRI, but I think it was MRI. 
And every time the film would come back, there'd be this black spot on my film. And they'd be like, oh, that's just the magnet, the machine interacting with the wire from your spinal cord fusion. Okay. Everything around it looks fine. Were you, so after you felt that pain, was that something that like, was the pain there then for the rest of the time after? Was it just, it would come, it would literally, it wasn't just a constant shooting, but it started happening more and more. So like it would just out of nowhere again, it would be like raging pain. It was usually turning. Okay. Um, and it would just shoot up. And sometimes it would happen in my sleep and it would just wait and like and I'd oh scream. I mean, it was just it was debilitating. And every time I'd go, the spot would come back and they're like, Oh, you know, everything around it looks fine. We started all these different therapies. I mean, everything under the sun, you know, and nothing was helping and the pain was just continually to get worse. And and so then they started me on narcotics and I didn't want to hurt all the time. Of and course. so of course Can't I function. took yeah. yeah, I was not functional. And so gradually, I mean, I took more and more drugs. Mm-hmm. I what, what, did you, what are they? I'm just curious. When I what first did they start started? It um, was hydrocodone. Okay. Yeah. And I think there were other things too, maybe like, I don't remember though. It was so long ago. But I remember that was the narcotic was hydrocodone okay. Okay. was the first one. And then were they having to increase your, your dose or yeah. switch you up on Yeah. Eventually. Shit? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, it got deeper and heavier. And at, that was the beginning. And at that point, I was like in my bed most of the time. And so this, it just keeps getting worse. The drugs keep going up. They eventually put me on a fentanyl patch, which is like the highest. And yeah, yeah it was insane. What's the time span? So I, before more shit hit the van, I was in the bed for about four and a half years. I stopped working. I stopped being able to, I mean, oh of course God. I'm not showing up as a partner, as a right. sister. So you're in like radical pain in bed. Yeah. And fucked up on on narcotics, yeah, and oh eating my, my feelings and watching reality TV. That's what I did all day, every day. Oh and I could God. like go out in spurts and show up and just, you know, I'm from the south. It's like be pretty, smile, you know, be pleasant. Mm-hmm. And I could do that, and I just plastered this smile on my face. And then I, my husband would get the crumbs. I'd come back, you know, an hour later totally and get in depleted. bed and stay there for. Mm. Days and days and days. And I, in some ways, it felt like a relief when he'd go on tour because then I didn't have to pretend. Yeah. Then and I would not the pressure of yeah. having to try to show up for yeah. someone when you're not would, able to even show up for yourself. 100%. Like, so after about four and a half years. Um, so they're just like the, nothing's working yeah. and here's medication. And yeah. I guess we're, I think we're, they were they, just like still... these are residual effects of okay. you were plastered by a ambulance. <laughs> so there weren't there wasn't at a certain point there wasn't. um trying to figure out what was going on anymore i I mean not really like no yeah so it was more like we're gonna be able to like try to maintain this and try to like manage no end in sight either i mean that's so depressing it felt so hopeless and so depressing and again i was so disassociated and you know when we numb the really hard things we also numb everything beautiful and good mm-hmm. so there was no beauty or goodness in my life and then narcotics only enhance that because you're only a shell they are not created for chronic conditions <laughs> it's for acute pain and yeah. so and you just need more and more and more for it to even affect you at all i mean at, no one would have ever looked at me and been like she is drugged out of her mind because i was on it for so long that you become a new normal exactly and then you you know, it doesn't even affect you anymore. It, at that point, it was literally like, I'll get sick if I don't take it, but it doesn't help me anymore. How were your friendships during the, at this point? It was point? super difficult. I had, I isolated so much. Mm-hmm. I had some friends that were just 
so diligent and would come lay in the bed with me and watch shows with me and bring meals and, you know, a lot kind of fell away, but there were like four in particular that Mm. were just steady and never left and just showed up and loved me. And those humans that you want to cry, they are so beautiful Mm. and, um, just never stopped. And it's interesting. I think I, I need to remember they would talk about me in a different way than I would talk about me in that time. Like I see myself as just this nightmare that couldn't show up. And, and they were like, you loved us, mm-hmm. you know? And I try to have more empathy. Like I really, with a lot of work I've done, have like really fallen in love with that girl who was just doing the best she could, mm-hmm. you know? And then sort of, who knows how to handle pain like that? No one. No. We're not created to be in that level of pain. So After about four and a half months, my mother-in-law was like, I know you've seen, because everything was out of pocket too, because it was a pre-existing condition and I wasn't working. Oh my my God. is a musician, you know? So this um, this, she was like, I know you've seen a ton of doctors. I know they've all said the same thing, but I have another one um, and I'd love to pay for it. And I was just kind of in my head. I'm like, bless her. Whatever. She's paying for it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I go to this doctor, bring literally, I feel like I had more photos of the inside of my neck than I did like of me, bring this oh pile of films. And he's like, I can't tell you what's going on until I see what's underneath that spot. So basically he orders a $50 x-ray um, and it. I get a phone call and he's like, basically this man sounded like the Bueller man. Like when we were talking, he's so monotone. <laughs> and all like- of a sudden I get this like frantic sounding voicemail. That I needed to get back there. And basically, um, this x-ray showed that one of the wires had broken. This is an x-ray? An x-ray. That's all it took. After all all of the $2,000 scans out of pocket. Yeah. A $50 x-ray showed that one of the wires had broken and pierced my brainstem. And I'm the only human that's ever had that. And Are you? Yeah. I'm so grateful. At the time, they basically only told me. You shouldn't be walking. If we don't get it out, you won't be walking. Surgery itself is super high risk of paralysis. And then actually, it's funny. I did Dr. Drew's podcast a while ago, and he was like, no, Ruthie, you shouldn't be breathing, speaking, brain functioning alive. This You can't puncture a brain. <laughs> like that's brainstem is like, so that's your reptile brain. That uh-huh. is what he's like, am I alive? That's the oldest part. Of, like if if someone's on life support, they're keeping the reptile brain right, alive. Right. That's what and it that's got. What the fuck? So was it just barely like how? Not barely. No, it was in there. I'll show you all a photo that we can <sighs> use. It's insane. So I, of course, thank God they didn't tell me all the details because I was just like barely. Yeah, how do you even like no. get, get there? Yeah. Like it's I shut down and literally just started reading Harry Potter again because I could not deal I just needed to hang out in my magical land yeah totally fair yeah I I couldn't deal so then things kind of turned a corner for the worse (laughs) so um about two weeks later my dad that was telling y'all about earlier called him papa he was coming to see me and I didn't know this at the time but to tell me that he'd sell our farm so I could have this surgery because insurance wasn't going to cover it and we knew it was like life or death right well, I didn't know that. I knew it was so like walking or not walking. At this point, you're 28. No, this was um, 20. Oh, 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 yeah. This was probably 28, 29. Okay. 29. I was 29. Oh my God. Wow. Math is not my spiritual gift. <laughs> I, I was literally about to say 24. Nope. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Don't do you're that. Like, no. <laughs> Earlier, 
Jack, I was asking her how far along she was. She told me an amount of weeks. I'm like, hello? Hey, what do these you're numbers like, mean? You're going to give me months. I'm like, shit I don't do bad. I don't do bad. Help me. No. So this ha- this is like a f- for five years. Yeah. And then you find out this. Yes. So my dad, um, on his way, he stopped to visit our Amish friends because we have Amish friends, as you do. <laughs> and he was like picking up a donkey or a mule or something. Who knows? And um, he went there every like two or three months. They were like dear friends. And um, I get a phone call from my mom. And we don't know exactly what happened because no one was around him. But um, he ended up falling down a flight of stairs and ended up passing a brain damage. Oh, my God. Um. I um it was just insane like I remember thinking I remember pinching myself until I would literally bleed because I'd be like you're gonna wake up this is this is a nightmare this cannot be your life you know like I just felt I felt so at the time I felt so abandoned by God I felt Mm -hmm. so alone I felt I just wanted my daddy like the, the man that had made me feel the most loved and protected and cared for, like his presence made me feel like everything's going to be okay, mm-hmm. you know? And I, we lose him and it was so, it wasn't just devastating for like my family and our friends. Like it was devastating for our whole community because our, he was, um, he was an educator. He was a superintendent of schools, but he, that whole thing I told you earlier about, I love you so much. Remember your manners, always look out for the little guy. Um, my godfather ended up setting up this medical fund in my daddy's honor because he knew that was his last wish that I have to, this to surgery. To sell the farm then to... Yeah. Okay. And y'all, it was insane. Like letters started coming in, checks coming out of nowhere, people being like, you're... And by the way, we had very little growing up. Very, very... I didn't know that we were so poor because I I mean, you were, my life was great, yeah. you know? But letters started coming in. Your dad bought my prom dress. Your mm. dad sent me on my senior trip. Your dad pays my rent. Your dad um, got me into school. Your dad sent me on my senior trip. Your dad bought my Christmas tree. I mean, the list goes on and on. And my godfather, who runs the bank, was like, yeah, he would take out loans because we didn't have money to be able to help people. So this crazy amount of money was raised because my dad had just loved people so well. And his last wish of like doing this for me, he did it out of his like love. Like he did take care of me. Did you feel the sense of twisted irony to my, my brain can't help but go here. But like I was hit by an ambulance and I like survived all of this and I'm here just miserable, not doing any like I'm <laughs> that sounds rude. Be like, I'm not doing yeah, anything with my life. And then being like my dad just fell down a flight of stairs and yeah. died, like died of brain trauma from that. Like I what a twisted I irony. Was, yeah, I was for sure very much parked on a victim why me what was mm. me um lane for a long long i felt very sorry for myself and i hated my life and i wanted like i would look on social media and see people out doing all these fun things with their children all i wanted was to be a mom like that literally when i was a little girl people were like what do you want to be when you grow up i'm like a mom you know that's all i dreamed of and that's and i'm like And all I have to do, like, I just felt like it was all a cruel joke at the time. It felt like so mean. And I remember, I remember the idea of like people talking about God is so good and God the father. And I'm like, my daddy would never treat me this way. Mm. Like, how is this good? Mm. I have very different perspective on all the things now. But at the time, that is exactly how I felt. And it was real and it was visceral. And, um, but then the fact that you're like, you know, 
earthly father. I know that sounds so Christianese, but like your earthly yeah. father left this legacy for oh. you that even in the midst of then what happened to him, like, oh, it's un- his care for other people took care of you. That's incredible. Unbelievable. No, there was so much. I was surrounded by so uh, there's so much now, you know, of course, perspective is such a beautiful gift that I can look at and see which and I'll get to all that, like how it shifted so drastically and how I see it all now is so, it could no, but, not be but, but more when opposite. You, but when you're but in, in that, that, but how, in that how moment, could you, how could I did you not, not think no, any how, of that how, how could you? How no. is that even possible? I was impossible. devastated on a level I can't describe. <sighs> but then I also, at the same time, I was so blown away and so touched. Like I remember feeling so honored to be this man's daughter. Mm-hmm. Like what a privilege that I get to be the legacy of this man, you know? So- um, I start being like pursued by doctors because they get off on that shit of being the one and only. <laughs> they want to be the one to fix yeah, you. Yeah, because they love that stuff yeah. when there's never it's never been done. And um, it was Sorry, really hard. Can I ask quickly of after course. the after you're saying you were the first one like that this ever happened to the other people that they use this wire? Did that then get them to start trying to find those? People oh yeah, they don't that... use wire anymore. No, okay. and it's super rare okay. for it to break. And usually people's most people don't survive a C1, C2 break. So most people, if they did, it would be lower down, you know, got it. Things like that. It's just, mine was just freak on freak on freak on freak on freak. Um, and also so meant to be. Um, but I end up choosing Mayo Clinic and this top neurologist, top orthopedic surgeon did the surgery. Oh, together. wow. So they're all like, oh, they're all oh, yeah. vying for your, 100%. for your brain. <laughs> but it also was super scary because everyone had different ideas on what to do. Everyone, how are right. you supposed to distinguish in, like, what the best disassociated is? trauma mode? I can't even think grief. Straight. Oh, it was horrible. And I luckily had my brothers are both in the medical profession. Like one is the oh, doctor wow. of my hometown. Um, he's the most bun human that ever was. <laughs> and then my other brother is also incredible. And he actually sells medical equipment for spinal cord surgery. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. So they took over. I couldn't oh function. Oh, my God. No. I couldn't function. So, of course, I had them as sounding boards. But it was still ultimately my choice. And, you know, I chose Mayo because they're the best. They're the most expensive, but they are the best. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is my life. Yeah. And it was really traumatizing and really scary. But we... Went in, they were like, we hope this will help your pain, but we're doing this because we want you walking. And again, so grateful they didn't tell me <laughs> and alive and all the other things, you know, because um, I couldn't have, I could not have handled that. I couldn't. Um, so they went in, they took bone from my other hip. Uh, they removed the wire, just the part that was in my brainstem, not all of it because it had grown into my spinal cord and it would have been way more dangerous to try to remove all of it. And then they put in titanium screws and they refused one, two, and then added three just for oh more stability. God. And I was in the hospital about a month. I would have told you up to that point, I like lived at a 10. And then I was like, just kidding. I had no idea that pain could be that oh my extreme. God. It was like one of the most painful experiences. The, the surgery. The surgery. And, the, <sighs> and, you know, I'd been on drugs for so long, so they couldn't get my pain under control because I was... You know, you would look have to at, give you like right, fatal like, and doses it'd be dangerous. Of, yes. yeah. And so it was really, really difficult for them to even touch my pain because of the level of narcotics that I was on. <laughs> I was on the highest level of fentanyl patch. Like that's what Tom Petty died of on a lower level than what I was on. Um, so 
it was really painful, really hard. I'll spare you details, but I walked out of there a week later with another big neck brace, my head shaved again, half my head shaved again with the wire in my freaking hand. And oh my God, I, after the pain of the surgery itself died down, which was about how long? Um, probably about a month. Okay. Um, I realized that I had a lot of nerve damage. So like my whole right side just felt like fire, like on fire completely. And the best way I know how to describe it, I don't know where y'all are from, but have y'all ever fe- felt fire ants before? Yes. Fire yeah. Ant bites? Yes. So like one time my right foot was standing in a pile of fire ants and my brother was like, Hey, move. And I didn't know it. And I had tons and tons and tons of fire ant bites <sighs> up my right leg. But I think because I was so disassociated and because that's what it feels like all the time, Jeez. I didn't even know. So I actually oh walked straight back into my bed, um, was on, you know, even more drugs. Then they had added morphine pills to the fentanyl and to the hydrocodone and all the sleeping medicine and all the things. And I was just on a baggie of drugs. I'm like, how are you even shitting right now? Oh, like, I wasn't. No, no, no. I was like. Twice a month, maybe. Oh, that's oh a whole God. other story, y'all. I went in when I got. I went in um, to do this endometriosis surgery when I accidentally <laughs> caught C diff. Um, and when I was in, Wait, I know a whole other story. But but what I was going to say is when the doctor went in to do it, she saw that my appendix was about to rupture, so that was lucky because they were able to remove wow. it. But she was like, Ruthie, if you were over your over. 50 right now, your intestines would have ruptured by now because they were so so full and so backed (gasps) up. It's disgusting. Phil, bullshit. Oh my God. It was a nightmare. I I hadn't even thought about that with all the medication. No, I never went to the bathroom. I had to take so many drugs to go to the bathroom and it was so painful. I mean, you're like on heroin level. It was insane. Pain meds 24-7. Insanity. Insanity. Oh my God. And so then I... About two more years of that, um, marriage was coming to an end, of course. Like, I can't believe he stuck around as long as he did. He couldn't handle it. He was on tour. I mean, was there any kind of relationship at all at that point? Not really. I mean, we were both kind of in survival mode and there wasn't like a, he was dealing with his own stuff, but my stuff was so big that there wasn't even really space for his trauma and his Mm -hmm. pain and his, which he had his own coming into our marriage and that kind of just got dismissed you know and honestly can't imagine I cannot imagine what that was like for him and I have so much empathy for that human because bless him I mean we both were just surviving I wasn't working he was providing for both of us and doing the best he could and we were babies and it's no one's fault no it's no one's fault um, he did end up leaving and ended up with a good friend of mine and it was super painful, but oh. also I totally get it. I really do. And I, well, that's, I'm, I fast forward a little bit. So first two years later, I had at, while I went in to do the endometriosis surgery, ended up catching C. diff, got so sick, thought I was going to die. Um, kept ending up in the emergency room, couldn't take care of myself, stopped sleeping. Marriage was coming to an end and I broke, like completely broke, couldn't take care of myself at all and so uh, my family came and got me and I moved back mm. home how old were you at this point sorry I, I keep asking 32 okay at this point and I was like mean, a this little is girl so many years yeah Ruthie in my heart okay I know. yeah I was like a little girl like I couldn't I, when you don't sleep which you n- young mom like I can't even imagine it's debilitating for it like is, two it weeks makes you insane and I was going like not 
I mean, this went on for a long period of time and I would just have panic attacks all you're, night. You're going crazy. You go like, crazy. You stop being able to hear people. Like I remember I just look like my face just looked like eyeballs, just staring dead. You know, like I was not functional. I couldn't hear people. You can't process. Nothing works. And then your body works. starts shutting down. People Everything. start hallucinating. Oh, like They say that when people go to rehab, they'll try to keep themselves awake because it's the closest they can get to being a, a high, yeah. you know, because wow. it literally takes you out of your brain, out of your mind. It's well, just. And also fr- from 24 to 32, there's so much. There's like, like no life experience. There's no life experience. Yeah, there's so yeah. much that would be happening. Yeah. In like a, you know, a standard life situation that you're, that's in bed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my family was going to send me away to get help, which, you know, obviously, and that I, again, growing up in the South, everything was about appearance and looking a certain way. And I cared so much about what people thought of me that literally it like snapped something in me and the fear of that got me to start weaning myself off the drugs the next day. And I'd been at home for a while at that point and like gone to doctors, all the things, but I did not want to get sent away. And thank God it was like, so they were sending you away for help, like rehab help um, for people with chronic pain. Yeah. But also to get off, you know, the drugs and to learn how to cope. Um, And And I imagine learn how to process because especially when you're dealing with pain and when you're dealing with, essentially a narcotics addiction and yeah. all that. How are you able to process your dad's death? You don't. Your own loss of totally. like years, Youth. all that divorce. Totally. So Jeez. I start the process. It took me about four months to get off all the narcotics. And that's sort I'm of a so short proud. amount of time. I, know. I, know. I can't I was believe. Say, I was like, like I, we're so much stronger than we even, like I am so in awe of these beautiful bodies. Like I used to thought... I would talk about my body as it hated me. And I thought it was enemy number one as like, you know, and I would call it it. Mm. And I would say like, my body is against me and, and it hates me so much. And, and now, I mean, I did, I was not there at this point either, but now I'm like, oh my God, this beautiful body that was literally trying to protect me mm. and holding and like literally keeping me alive. It's so strong and so incredible like housing divinity inside of me Mm. you know and just calling me home to myself I'd been so disassociated that it was just trying to call me back home to heal Mm. ultimately and so at the time I'm you know a shell of a human dependent on all these narcotics which somehow I still never abuse them which is really rare with people with chronic Mm. pain and I don't think I have a very addictive personality I think I'm very fortunate in that sense because it's really 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 rare um, with people in that level of pain not to abuse Um, so at the beginning it was literally relearning how to live I mean I remember I'd had to make a list of like eight o'clock you get out of bed even if you didn't sleep a minute you're not allowed to get in bed again until it's dark outside and then I would put like 8.05, make the bed. Um, 8.10, brush teeth, scratch. 8.15, eat a piece of toast, scratch. Like, because I had to remember, I hadn't lived mm. at this point for over seven years. So it's like, what do normal people do all day? I don't fucking know. I, I wasn't working. All I thought about was my pain. That's what I thought about all day, every day. And so it was at the beginning, it was just like going through the motions because I didn't want to get freaking sent away. And then, um, you know, it was actually so beautiful because I think 
it didn't take super long. A few weeks into that, I, I was sleeping. I had gotten put on a like pretty severe, I can't remember what it was, but something for my panic attacks that allowed me to sleep, which then you start being able to think more clearly. And then as I was weaning myself off these drugs, my brain started coming a bit out of the fog. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was like, I think it was like my higher self or if it was my guides or if it was my daddy, who knows, but something in me told me to make a list of things that I love to do before I had pain. And that was so huge because I remember writing this list. I'm like, Ruthie, you love sunsets. And I'm like, no, I don't. Like, Yes, you do. You love sunsets. And I wrote, you love flowers. And I wrote, you love dancing. I love dancing. Like, I know I look like I would listen to like only like singer songwriter. <laughs> I love the dirtiest hip hop you've ever heard. Like in college, I had this all white room with a life size poster of Tupac that said only God can judge me. Like I love the raunchiest and dancing to it is my favorite thing on yeah. planet earth. And I hadn't danced in so long because I didn't do anything that I thought would make my pain worse. And everything felt like it made my pain worse. So I did nothing. Um, I remember writing, you love people. And I'm like, Fuck if I like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, yes, you do. You love people. And so then another thing that got added to my list is I'd make myself do one of the things on that list each day. Okay. And I remember my brother telling me, he's like, babe, like you can lay in your bed and hurt all day, every day, or you can get up or and you can be dance with people and, hurt and-, and love people and serve and do the things you love and hurt. Those are your two options. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, Okay, (laughs) you know, and it sounds so basic because, but that it was the truth. And I had friends, like I had a friend from high school at the time because I was back home who, um, she was shot in the Colorado Aurora Batman shooting. Remember that? Oh my god! So they had air met her. Oh my god! Yes, I do. That it was that time during the Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I would go like sit with her. And then I had a friend whose husband was dying of colon cancer oh my god and i go sit with her in the hospital because i'm like there are people around you that you love that are suffering and i would make myself go outside and like watch the sunset and i'd be like i'd make myself say the things that i knew were beautiful even though i didn't feel a freaking thing i felt nothing i felt like numb and dead inside but at the time it was like i wanted to die like i would think please just don't wake up just don't wake up like death sounded like the most beautiful respite Mm. And it was just hell, no more you know, pain. and, and so I made myself do these things and, you know, it was so freaking precious because a few weeks into doing that, I think so often we think I'm going to do these things once I feel better and yeah. I couldn't, that wasn't an option for me. Right. And so I trusted something bigger than me told me that if I do these things, the emotion will eventually come. And as again, as I was weaning off these drugs, I was feeling all of it more instead of numbing myself, but I also was able for the first time and as long as I can remember to also see beauty and feel goodness. And like I had been so numb that I couldn't feel anything. And I remember at that time reading this quote on some blog in the middle of the night, who knows, but it said the deeper sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Mm. It's this Khalil Gibran quote. And I remember bawling and being like, that's going to be my story. I'm going to get to experience joy on the most incredible massive level because of the level of this pain, right? And so, and I remember like I had this vision of myself in second grade getting glasses and walking outside and being like, mom, <laughs> yeah. look at the sky. 
<laughs> and all of a sudden I was seeing, I had glasses again mm. for the first time. And, but even more so than I ever did before this pain. And all of a sudden I was seeing my, most of my nieces and nephews were born after I got in my bed and I hadn't seen them. Mm. And all of a sudden I'm like seeing these babies and they're like the most magical, beautiful humans that you could ever imagine. And I'm like falling in love with them and seeing them for the Mm -hmm. first time. Like I'm actually seeing them and the magic of them and that there was all this beauty. And so that was like, it took me again, like four months. I eventually moved back home. My marriage did end. It was horrific. You moved back to your home. I moved back to Nashville after um, probably about two months into weaning myself off of everything. What wow. did that, um, what, how did that pain compare? Did it compare you at know, all? See, that, that's, that's the interesting so thing. It is. Yeah. And I think because I, again, I was still very, very disassociated and yeah, it was really hard, but my pain was so extreme that like, I don't have a really traumatic weaning off story. Like I already wasn't sleeping. So it's not like not sleeping because you're weaning off narcotics is this new thing. That was already mm-hmm. my journey. And I was actually sleeping a little bit better. My, I would wake up with like a shirt that was wet from sweats, you know, but like none of it really compared to the pain that I'd known in the hospital yeah. and none of it. And pain is just relative, right? It's so like, you're gauging it and yeah, you're like, this withdrawal I'm like, yeah, pain this is-, is shitty and it's really hard. And I understand how traumatic it is for so many people, but also I think because also my brain felt clear, it felt mm. so much that outweighed the discomfort of weaning off drugs. It really did. It was hard. It was hard. And I felt fear of like, I'll never be able to numb down this pain again. (laughs) You know, I had those, those moments of real panic, but I, the good outweighed all of it. Um, And I was really lucky. I lived in Nashville with this incredibly supportive community that believed in me way before I ever believed in me. And they told me I was creative. Like I had only decorated my homes. I did not know. I grew up in like, you know, it was sports, LSU, and (laughs) that's about it. (laughs) I didn't take an art class. Like I didn't know. And I don't sport. I'm like the biggest waste of a tall girl. I have not (laughs) a competitive bone in my body. Like when I was like trying to play basketball, because I've been this freak in height, I'm like almost 6'1 since I was 13 and I block shots and I would apologize. (laughs) I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I know that had to be really embarrassing. (laughs) That was actually kind of good, but I didn't care. I was like, I just want to dance. I was the tallest cheerleader that ever existed on planet Earth. Because I just wanted to dance all the time. Anyway, I, you know, I just was like making myself show back up. When Mm. my marriage ended, it was like, if you go back to the bed, you'll die. You will die. Mm. And that was a very, very real reality for me. And so I had friends that told me I was creative. I decorated my homes. For some reason, while I had C. diff shitting my pants all the time, um, (laughs) someone had um, taken photos of my home and they end up on a lot of design blogs and things. And so somehow this photographer found my home, um, ended up shooting Taylor Swift's Red album at my house while I had C. diff. But I didn't know it yet that I had C. diff. So literally had one little bathroom. I'd have to run across the street to the... um, (laughs) To Portland Brew, because when you have C. diff, you just shit yourself all day, every day. That's like, that's the journey. So they're filming They're shooting. Your house no, it's your... all photography. <laughs> oh, so they're no. filming the whole rec. Like if you open, no one has CDs anymore, but like all the album art was shot at my house. What album did Sarah, did Barlow shoot? 
That's Sarah. <gasps> that's no, my friend. No, no that's way. one of our good friends. Hello. That's what I'm that's talking about. So weird. Yeah. That's yeah. We definitely know her. Very, that's how we met. That's no. we her. <laughs> yes. That's who shot it at my house. That is oh, that's so you know, weird. She used to live in Nashville. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Her and Liz. Liz and yeah. is one of our best friends too. Hello. <laughs> that's really weird. What the fuck? That's really weird. I, I no, Sarah, that's literally how we met. Is no. I met Sarah and Liz, and then I became friends with some of their friends, and then Y'all. that's how I met and Jess. Met. And yeah, the universe cares. Oh, that's really really <laughs> weird. Cares. So and then I've seen the inside of your house because Sarah yeah. in her room has like the pictures hung up and like the Polaroids. That's so that's bizarre. the room I lived in for seven years. Wow. So literally they would be like taking photos and I'd have to run across the street to Portland Brew, the little coffee shop shop to like shit my brains out. And I'd be like, everything's okay. Tay-Tay's in my house right now. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm going to make it work. Make it work. Thank God they didn't catch the hiv because I didn't even know I had it. And it's so contagious. Is it really? Oh, Oh, yeah. So contagious. I didn't even know. I just thought I had like a virus and I wasn't going to say no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) shooting her album at my house yeah no that was a journey all right broads let's pause for one second because i have a question why are women's razors so expensive and such poor quality seriously oh my gosh right compared to men's (laughs) like what's the deal (laughs) what's the deal the world has progressed in so many ways but not women's razors unless you're going to pay a small fortune that is until athena club razors changed all of that i am talking high quality made for our bodies the shaving kits are only $9. $9 hardly gets you one pack of bad razors at the store, like the type that leave you covered in razor burn on the first shave and are dull by the second. Oh my gosh, the worst. But with Athena Club, you'll get two razor heads, a magnetic holder, and the option to have replacement blades auto-ship to you so you never run out. Oh my God, I remember I would always like just end up getting the guy's razors because they're so freaking expensive otherwise it's such bs i I I I hated it but so if you're like me and now shaving isn't your deal athena club has so much more to offer they carry all the self-care essentials you need so from period and body care products to supplements they're your one-stop shop for clean sustainable wellness products and right now with the amount that we are all ordering online i love that they offer such a great variety of excellent products because you can get your shopping haul done at athena club not have to pay for shipping from 100 other places all in one spot. Athena Club has all the goods and they believe you should never have to stress about what's going in, on, or around your body. That's why all of Athena Club's products have gone through a rigorous development process to be completely clean and totally safe. And speaking of stress, I have this habit when I'm stressed, I go into the bath and shave. I don't know why, but it's been my go-to for years. The hot water and the process relaxes me. And I have to tell you, I have been stressed lately, so I am so thankful for the extreme high-quality shave I get from Athena Club Razors. Um, I cannot imagine what my body would look like right now if I had done the amount of shaving I've been doing lately with a store-bought razor. It would be 
disastrous. Um, But with Athena Club, I have an unreal close shave that leaves me feeling smooth and soft. Like I jump into bed and I practically go flying out because this shave is so close with no razor burn. Thank you. And you'll never have to worry about running out of your go-tos again because Athena Club lets you customize your subscription, making it as flexible as you need it to be. You can pause or cancel at any time. It's super easy and shipping is always free. And thank goodness I won't be running out because Lord knows Evan has been stealing my Athena Club razor and hoarding it for himself. It's incredibly rude. Because he shaves when he's stressed, too. So shave if you want. (laughs) Shave if you want, when you want and where you want. But if you are shaving, stop using razors that under deliver and switch to Athena Club. Sign up today and you'll get 15 percent off your first order. Just go to athenaclub.com and use promo code chatty. That's A-T-H-E-N-A club.com and use promo code chatty for 15 percent off. So other people thought that's what I did because that didn't, I mean, I styled it, right? And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And up to that point, people had asked me to like help with theirs. This was like before the breakdown, which now I call my breakthrough. Mm. And I'd be like, I can't help you. Like my body. And also I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like I just fooled myself way through. I don't know anything. I just did what I liked. So people started hiring me and asking me to help. design and everything. And styling things. And Friends that knew me and trusted me. So it's like Mm -hmm. I was in this creative community in East Nashville and my friends just loved me well and believed Mm -hmm. in me. And I did not have the luxury of fear because before I would have said, no, my body can't handle it. No, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to say yes. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to figure it out because I had no money. None. My, you know, marriage ended. I hadn't worked in years. I had no money and I knew that I'd have to move home otherwise. And that was not an option. <laughs> nope. And so that started, I started an Instagram account and people started falling out. And I was just, my new drug became speaking about beauty, sharing all the beautiful things that I was seeing, but I wasn't giving full context. Right. And so I started having okay. people that didn't know me following along and they're seeing these beautiful dinner parties. Your I life love. is just so beautiful yeah. and perfect. Yeah. And I love bringing people together and I love styling things. And I love I mean, I really do actually really love humans. Yeah. So like they're seeing me with my friends and, and that became that was my survival. But they didn't know backstory. And so I had not given anyone a context for my joy mm. that wasn't following along. And during along. this, you're still having oh. unbelievable pain. Oh, it had been worse every year for as long as. You know, since it started, even after this, even after the surgery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know, it's probably six or seven months in. um, I started getting those messages, like you said, like you live this dream life. And God, I wish this was my life. And I was like, I'm going to hurt myself. This is insane. And what a disservice am I giving Mm. to humans? And so I ended Mm. up writing out my whole story, like everything, every gory detail, the shit in the pants thing, the losing my daddy, to losing my marriage, to losing my friend, to, you know, chronic pain every second of every day, just nervous breakdown, like things that I, like when I lived in my bed, I had so much shame. And I remember when I was having that nervous breakdown, what would keep me up at night is like, I had a friend that was killed by a drunk driver when we were in college and on paper, her injuries were way less than mine. And I would think like if she were here, she'd be changing the world. And I am just taking, Mm. I, she should be here, not me. And my dad has to be so ashamed of who I've become and all these stories, none, none that are true, but that's the thing. And I was like, you know, I'm not giving people these things like that is just, it's not fair. It's not, it's actually not loving. 
what I'm doing right now. And so sharing all of it, sharing all of those details. And of course, it does the exact opposite. It like it didn't push people away. It drew people in because people are so that's why Me Too was so freaking huge because we're so longing to not feel alone Mm. and to know we're not the only ones and to know that that there's hope because I didn't end it with like and life just sucks. Good luck for, you know, good luck. Yeah. It was like, no, there's so much hope and there's so much beauty in this world. And this is not the end of your story. And at the time, I really did jump from that, from living in my own pocket of like parked victim mode to I'm going to try to help as many people as possible. And, you know, I'm going to make this pain purposeful and I want to help as many people and bring as much hope as possible. But I still totally skipped myself. And that's that's kind of the mode that I stayed in. I would show up and do all these things for people. I, after sharing my story, people asked me to speak on podcasts. And then after that, I was asked to speak at this like women's conference. And I'm like, I hadn't even spoken at my brother's weddings. I had no <laughs> idea. And I was like, I'm going to say yes, this could bomb. But I did it. And, you know, it was, it, it was beautiful. And it was this thing. Where I was like, this is why I'm here. I had no idea. And this is why these things happen. Cause I, get to share this message of hope. And it's kind of what drove me. It became my new drug. Instagram became a new drug. Like every like, every love, you know, I felt this like sense of love and belonging where I just felt so alone and isolated. And again, I was still disassociated and still Mm. never came home to myself to like actually heal at that point. And from there, I ended up getting um, a book deal. And people asked me to write a book for a long time. I was like, no, 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 no. That is not my journey. All I'd ever written was like Instagram captions, like (laughs) update. That doesn't count. No, I'm not a writer. And I did not want to. And I thought it would kill me. And it almost did. Because you literally have to go back in and re-traumatize yourself Mm. for years. Like it takes a long freaking time. And I didn't think I could handle it. And the proposal that I got my book deal from my title was salvaged building a beautiful life with broken parts because I thought I was broken. I believed that with every part of me and writing that book took me on the freaking hardest, most painful roller coaster healing journey that I could have ever imagined. Cause it almost, it felt like I was going to die. Like I, it intensified my pain. I ended up back in my bed so much cause I was so traumatized. But because of that, I ended up doing so much trauma work so much healing trauma work. And I started my, my whole belief system around pain, all of it shifted. I thought if I got quiet and still and like muted all the noise, I would die from the level of pain Mm -hmm. that I was in. Cause I was just still trying to numb Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. you know, and with all these other things, even though they were quote unquote good things, I was still numbing and I still wasn't healing myself, you know? And, and so I was forced to come back home to myself. I think all of it, all the painful things, I think the wreck, my daddy, the divorce, the all of it ended up becoming these like invitations to actually come home to my body, to this beautiful, incredible, strong vessel to heal. And I think, I not think, I believe with every, every ounce of me, that the most loving thing that I can do is heal myself and then go out and be a mirror of that healing for the world. Cause it's not mine. Mm-hmm. It's our, like this is for everyone. And I, you know, when we are out just trying to help other people and not doing that work on ourselves, it's actually not very loving because we need to be needed. And yeah. then people don't actually learn how to heal themselves. 
And the most loving thing I can do is go in and do massive trauma work. Like, and that's what's been so beautiful. I learned about this woman named Nicole Sachs who has this thing called Journal Speak. And you basically go in because you learn about, especially growing up in the South, I wasn't allowed to process painful emotions. Mm. It was like, smile, be pretty. I could never show rage. I could never show anger. I could never show fear or any of those things. It's just like anything that wasn't like yeah, pretty and exactly. Perfect and, and so you swallow those emotions and your body. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, which it changed my life because your body holds on to trauma. Mm. Not just physical trauma, emotional trauma, but they're what's so beautiful. Our brains are so amazing because our limbic system, literally where emotions are held, doesn't know time. That's why if someone's triggered by something or has PTSD, they feel like something that happened 30 years ago, they feel like it's happening right now. Their prefrontal cortex goes offline. They can't think about thinking. They're literally like in the trauma. But what's beautiful about that, even though that's so painful, is because our limbic brain doesn't know time, we can go back in and heal things as though it's happening right Mm. now. Wow. So like I've learned about a lot of preferable trauma that I didn't know about before that like definitely affected other parts, you know, and like I've gotten to go in, I've gotten to go into that precious girl living in her bed and like do the most loving work around her. I've gotten to go in and like release traumatic things that like happened when I was a child that I just swallowed because I wasn't allowed to process. And y'all, it's helped with my pain so much. Really? Like it's the most miraculous but truest thing I know. And it's actually science. It sounds so woo-woo, but it's science. Mm -hmm. It's like our brains were created to heal. And like my neck looks more like a freaking toaster oven than it does an actual spinal cord. And if I can heal, like we can (laughs) heal. And I know that's why I'm here. I know I, and I'm going to go real woo woo for a second. And I think there's, I'm so open to being so completely wrong about this, but also who knows? And if it's true, beautiful. If not, that's totally fine. But there are school of thoughts that believe that we like have many lives Mm -hmm. and we choose these lives. We choose our parents. We choose the life that our soul needs to expand, to grow. And I read this book called journey of souls. Three different people told me to read it and it's super woo woo. So journey of souls, journey of souls. Mm -hmm. And basically two strangers and a third, like person I didn't even know that well told me to read it in a very short amount of time. And I'm like, the food think I should read it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And basically They talk about in that, like in hypnotism, people started talking about past lives Mm -hmm. and the life between lives. Again, super woo-woo, so open to being completely wrong about this. But this part felt really beautiful to me. In the in-between, we have these like soul family members and we have these guides that like love us so much. And basically you choose these things that your soul needs. So then for me, even if it's wrong, it gives me comfort to think, wow, like my beautiful soul chose all of this. And it's what I needed to grow and expand to ultimately heal myself, to come home and then go out and be a mirror of that. And like that my sweet little precious soul trusted me enough to do this work and to go through all these things. Like you are so brave and so strong and so capable. And we all are, and we're so resilient. Like I would have told you all this would have killed me. Like I, mm. 
-hmm. you know, you don't think you're strong enough to go through something, then you have, then you have to, like, you have no other option, right? But then we also still have free will. And I don't want to have to learn this again. So I want to <laughs> get it down right now. <laughs> so I want to really fucking work my ass mm. off. And and the thing that's so beautiful, the more emotional work that we do, you realize it's like an unlearning and a remembering way more than it is anything else. Because it's unlearning all these limiting stories that we've been told, yeah. that we were taught like by the church, by the patriarchy, by family, by community, by, fr- you know, and you get to remember not what's wrong with you, but what's so right with you. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a little girl, when it turned 12, 34, I'd be like, make me be good. Make me love Jesus. Make me be good. Make me love Jesus. Like, I didn't know that I'm just inherently mm-hmm. so good and so worthy and so deserving and so loved. And I am love. Mm-hmm. And the more work that I'm doing, I remember these truths. And then... Again, that mirror thing, like, because that's not my truth. That's everyone's so deserving. Everyone's inherently good. Mm. Everyone is worthy. And then trauma happens. And like they talk about um, my friend owns this place called Onsite. And it's like this emotional wellness center. And he and I have a podcast together. And they talk a lot there about like when our reactions to things are hysterical, they're always historical. It's just old trauma that hasn't been Mm. processed yet. Oh, I love that. And so, you know. Part of like earth school is just remembering that like, it's just human. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just trauma happened and we're all just in survival mode, but you do this work and you get to like, remember the truth and we're all so deserving of that. Like, it's the most beautiful. It's so fucking hard. I will not pretend like it's not. (laughs) It's so hard, but it's also the most amazing, like our sweet little nervous systems are mostly just shot. We're all like most people are just walking around as disassociated, traumatized mm, humans. Yeah. You know, like when I see people acting like to complete dicks, I try to reframe it of not like they're just an asshole, but like what happened to you? With compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What happened to you? Like I know all that happened for me. It's given me these new eyes, like this new lens to, and I don't always live in this place. Listen, I can be the biggest dick, but when I'm living out of that space of like, first off, I never thought that I could end up dependent on all these drugs living in my bed. Like I was this really good, sweet little girl that had done everything quote unquote, right, you know, and then life just happens. And now it just, it gave me a new lens of empathy um, and I think a lot of times with pain, it can make you like really hard and bitter if you don't do the work. Yeah. Um, but that's miserable. And I, I, I was there. I know it. It's miserable. Mm-hmm. And the other, even though it's so hard to feel our feelings and feel the emotions, like it's the most beautiful, liberating, freeing, like it feels like freedom. That we're allowed to feel what we feel and our bodies are always talking to us and love us. Like she loves you so much, you know, and they have these messages for us that are so loving and so true, but we stay so busy and numb. And like, I couldn't be on a walk in nature without music or podcasts or something to not let me drop in and feel because I thought it would kill me. Yeah. You know, and now like, 
I can still numb like the best of them, but I, I'm quicker to come back to truth and remember, like, I'm so deserving of the stillness, of this quiet, of walks in nature and sitting across from friends that are like-minded where we can speak and like drop in and say really fucking hard things and go through really hard things together and be a puddle and be a mess and like creating that kind of community. Cause we, we cannot do this alone. Like we are created for community and we're created to heal in community. And in times like this, like that are yeah. so crazy like we need each other if that's FaceTiming, creating like groups where you can dance together alone in your own kitchen where you're not touching. Mm-hmm. But like we need each other. We need each other. And I know that time like that I have checked out and isolated because that's what pain often does. It's so miserable. It's so miserable. And nothing about it is life giving. Nothing. Um, I just talked for a Oh my that God. No, are you kidding me? I'm like fully just like, oh, this is what we have you here from, for, by the way, is just for you to talk to us. Oh, so, no, I, I mean, but like, it's tangents. so though, like you said, in this time right now, it just feels so like your story then feels so relevant. Just mm-hmm. seeing everyone from the, the, the piece of remembering that yeah. everyone, like you said, is walking around like disassociated, like trauma beings, like, yeah. Whether that's, you know, having gone to the grocery store 24 hours ago and seeing people get in fist fights because of toilet paper. And it's like that initial part of you gets like angry, but then it's like, what? There's like these assholes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then I'm looking at it. It's like, oh, okay, a mom with her kid. Like, I don't know what her situation is. I don't know what happened. I don't know what yeah. their life actually is. What kind of survival like. trauma has this person exactly. maybe encountered 10 who, or 15 who years like ago? She needs that yeah. for her family. Yes, um, to survive. Right. Yeah. And and just, just the whole idea of even if, you know, and again, obviously this is being released way later than when we're recording it. But if at worth maybe at this point right now in April where we've been under mandatory yeah. lockdown, like I don't know. But if that's the case, even just the mindset that yeah. you're talking about, yeah. even if we're not seeing each other, just the mindset of it being that we have each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just, and like this isn't the end. Mm-hmm. Like and there is so much hope. And, you know, I talk about at the beginning and the end of my book. Like when you finish this book, you know, I hope you close the last page and when you get off your stop in the subway or you turn off your light or you finish your cup of coffee, like I truly, my intention is like, you forget me, forget my name, forget my story. You don't need me. This is like, I'm here to be a, just a flashlight of the goodness that's inside of you, the healing mm-hmm. that is for you the love that is yours. And I'm going to just moonwalk the fuck out of here because <laughs> this is yours. And mm-hmm. I, I really believe that with every, like that we are created to heal and we're all so deserving of it. And it's interesting, you know, you, I had to spend this last season writing this book and kind of going back into this pain story. And I was so identified with that for so long. Like when I lived in my bed, I knew that I was identified with my pain story because, you know, we teach people how to see us. And so anytime anyone would see me, they'd be like, how are you? Yeah. Are you okay? You know, and I found so much comfort in that sympathy because it kind of in my sick little brain helped justify living in my bed and not working and not showing up as a partner and not doing all these things. But I didn't know that even after that, when I jumped to trying to help other people, I was still identifying with this pain story because mm. when I went to that place on site, when they talk about like your, um, when your reactions are hysterical, they're always historical. 
Um, when you go, you give up your phone for a week. You're not allowed to tell anyone what you do for a living mm. because they talk about how we call ourselves human beings, but we literally walk around as human doings mm. and we literally find worth and value in what we're doing in the world. And that's how we show up. And we assign value and worth to other people by what they do, which means nothing. Yeah. It literally means nothing. Like on our podcast, we interview people that the world would really know, like, you know, actors and musicians, but we don't talk about what they do because mm-hmm. we're like, we want to hear about your soul. We want to hear about your heart. We want to hear about your journey because it's just so easy to identify with that, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I realized in that time when I couldn't tell anyone what I did, um, I could do this quick little run through. People are like, what do you do for a living? I'm a speaker. What do you speak about? Share my story. What's your story? And I could give this like three minute elevator pitch. And I'm like, wow, you know, you're so strong. You're so brave or whatever it was. And I, oop, I found so much worth and value. And like, I thought that made me valuable. Mm-hmm. I thought that would make me you know, worthy of having a seat at the table mm-hmm. because I am so strong and I have overcome so much. And this pain story is so big and it kicked my ass for a week, not being able to talk about it. And so from there doing this work, this emotional trauma, so much trauma work in writing the book, you know, I've realized like now to be really honest with you, my pain story is boring to me. I'm like, I can't wait to talk to you about healing because that that's the most fascinating. Like the pain story is like the least interesting thing about me. Like we are the most resilient, powerful, amazing, just literal humans that like we are capable of so much. And I just I don't know. It's so fun for me now. Like I love talking about healing because, again, it's not mine. It's ours, you know, like, at, and we're all connected, right? Like we're all connected. It's not me and you, it's we, like we are these higher conscious beings. And when we go in, it's not selfish. And that's another thing I had to unlearn about my upbringing. When we take this time and do this work for ourselves, it's the most loving thing you can do for your family. Like it heals Literally, it can heal like lines of generations yeah. of your family. Like at the work that I know that I'm doing, I know can heal. Like they say it can heal generations past and generations forward. Mm. And there's just something like it's the most loving thing. And the more work I do, the least ju- I become less and less judgmental because when I'm otherwise, I'm so judgmental of myself. That's where it's actually starting. I'm really right, harsh right, right, on myself right. and the shame stories can be vicious But the more of this work I do, the more compassionate and empathetic and loving and it draws people in and then they want to start their own healing journey. And it's just it's we're connected. So it affects everything, Mm -hmm. you know, and that that excites me to like not feel like it's selfish to take that time for myself and to spend that money on myself. And, you know, I know I'm also very aware that I am very privileged that I've gotten to spend the money that I've gotten to spend, but there are still things that you can do. Like mother nature is our greatest teacher on planet earth. And there are so many things. There's like talk space. There's like online forums that are really cheap. There are counselors that work um, on sliding scales. There are churches that offer free counseling. There is like the journal speak that I was talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. You can learn how to do that on 
YouTube and you can do these practices at home. Like everyone can meditate. Everyone can dance and do somatic nonlinear movement Mm -hmm. to like move trauma out of your body. Like we're at this time where the internet internet is like the fucking worst, but it also is like, it can be a tool. Absolutely. And there are options like for people to learn to heal like read the body keeps the score. You will learn more. There are podcasts that like are so expansive and life giving. Anything by Peter we have Levine. Tools, tools like at so our fingertips. Tools, yeah. Oh my god, Every day. that are free. Yes, free, <laughs> free <laughs> tools. Yeah. Hey, Broad. So I don't know about you, but honestly, never in my life I did not think I would ever have to wait over an hour to get into a local grocery store. Um, but we do have to social distance for our community and our world right now. So that's just the reality at the moment, which trust me, I'm down for. But it does make shopping, especially if you are abroad that has a child you have to bring, difficult. Um, now, more than ever. I am thankful for our daily harvest deliveries because they make getting clean, healthy food into our mouths um, and our family's mouths so simple without having to wait in line at the store. Oh, I am so with you on that. Daily Harvest makes it super easy. It's a lifesaver around my house because I know that the food that's delivered to our door is the best possible quality, which is so important. And they never use preservatives, added sugar or artificial ingredients. So whether I'm making a harvest bowl for myself for dinner or smoothie for my BF in the morning, I know that what we're eating not only tastes good, but it's full of good quality ingredients as well. That's right. And even better, everything stores easily in your freezer until you're ready to use it. Everyone has those days when you haven't quite made it to the grocery store. You forgot to plan out dinner for the night. Um, For me, that was literally every night last week or in general, um, it was time to eat. And our fridge was looking a little sad. Um, But thank God I had a freezer full of daily harvest. My husband and I both had red lentil harvest bowls. They were delicious. Um, Finished it up with some of those daily harvest bites for dessert. Oh my God, I could eat those for forever. Um, Truly broads, when all this started in the world, I, I went online and I ordered my daily harvest and it has been the mass majority of what my family has been eating. And I am so, 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 so grateful for them and I know Evan and Ember are right now as well. And if you want to try for yourself, you can go to dailyharvest.com right now and enter promo code chatty to get $25 off your first box. So that's promo code chatty for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. So I, I know that I am very privileged. I am the first, I'm becoming more and more aware of how much denial I've been about my privilege and, you know, because you've had it, you're like, I've, I've had a hard do, in life. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> but I have gotten to do a lot of things for self care, but it doesn't dismiss people that can't afford it. Like, this is also for mm-hmm. you. There are tools at your fingertips and it is yours. And we get to take it. Like, you're so deserving of it. And, you know, I think about, I get emails and when I do talks, like people are suffering. Pain is the most universal thing on the planet. And like, if you're listening to this right now, more than likely you have trauma in your life and you have deep pain either from childhood. I mean, everyone has childhood pain. I don't Mm -hmm. even want to say like, maybe like we just do. (laughs) We're humans, right? We're all just doing the best we can. First, I want to say like, I'm so sorry. Um, because it's so real and your pain is so valid. 
And in the same breath, I want to say, this is not the end. Mm. And I believe with every ounce of me that these are invitations for us to come home. Our sweet souls like, are calling us home. Our bodies are calling us home to heal, to do this work that we're so deserving of. And it's just, it's the most loving thing you can do for yourself, for your family, for your community, for the earth. Like it just is, you know, and that like, that makes me so hopeful. And if you don't feel hopeful right now, like I will carry that for you. (laughs) And there are times where you will have it and I'll need you to carry it for me. And that's what community is, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's what community is. And that's, we're so fortunate to have each other and we need each other, Mm -hmm. not life sucking people. You don't need those. You can moonwalk out, (laughs) but There are life-giving people. And the more of this work you do, the more magnetic it is that you'll attract Mm -hmm. those people too. And that's also so beautiful to see how the universe works like that. It's so amazing. It's amazing. I'm like, like just filled with like so much excitement. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just like, it's just so encouraging just to see someone who's been through what you've been through and to to have in the end, like that the, the, you know, quote unquote end of your story, or I guess the beginning of it, it Mm. does start with hope and healing and that it's not just like, well, this fucking sucks and here we are. And like, I guess I'm doing it day by day, which I'm sure it still feels like that sometimes, but, but to know that like, you know, this is just another way to make all of us feel like we're, you know, in community that we're all in this together when you re- realize that everyone around you is also yeah. dealing with a whole slew of other things yes. and well, to just dance it off. And I know this is a really <laughs> annoying way of that people can look at things sometimes where it's like, see, everything happens for a reason, you know, how people, cause people oh, throw that around and they throw yes. Bible verses around no, about no, it. No, and no, it's no, like, no, no, no. no, you getting raped was not for yeah. a reason. Your child yeah. dying, like wasn't for mm-hmm, a reason. So mm-hmm. cut that bullshit. Yeah. But those aren't the words to no. sit with someone no. that are in it. Nope. But to be able to look at your story and be like, wow, look at how you came out on the other end of it. Yeah. And where would you be today if you hadn't had gone through all yeah. that? Not to say yeah. that it wasn't super shitty and painful yeah. and you didn't deserve it and all of those, yeah. you know, things. Yeah. But how cool totally. that, you know, where, where would you be now? Yeah, I, I honestly would not. And I say this with the most depth of sincerity that I can muster. Like I wouldn't change one single thing. I wouldn't because I wouldn't be who I am Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't get to do the beautiful work that is so life-giving to me. It is so life-giving to me. I wouldn't be here with y'all. I wouldn't have met the beautiful souls in my life that are, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to travel the places and experience the cultures. I mean, there's just so Mm -hmm. much that I would not have experienced if all of that hadn't happened. And I'm so grateful that you did say that because the last thing I will ever say to someone that's in the midst of their suffering Mm. and in the midst of their pain is all of this happens for a reason or God, that is the, that feels so bad. I had that said to me so many times when I was in the midst of it. And that's not the time to say it. What you do in those points is you just show the fuck up and you don't even don't talk. You don't need to say a goddamn word. Just <laughs> hold space. Hold them. Like, be I there. know when I'm in trauma mode, I just want to be held. Mm-hmm. Just like, I'm not even kidding. Like, 
Jamie and I will do this for each other. I'm like, I just, I need to be held. And we will hold each other. No words have to be spoken. You know, like holding space, showing up for, you you don't need to have trite little answers. You don't need to fix anyone. You can't (laughs) fix anyone. (laughs) That is their journey. You just show up with so much love and so much tenderness and so much compassion and they're on their own journey. They're on their journey. Um, you can't change it. You can't fix it. You can't make it better. You just show up and love the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't give advice. <laughs> and it's so hard. <laughs> don't should people. Like, don't should yeah. people. It's just don't should yourselves. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so easy to do. And I'm so I had that's been something I've had to unlearn um, for sure unlearn well i'm sure when you have all the experiences that you have when you're interacting with certain people you're like oh no i know i know what's best because i've been through all of these things yeah, like and of that's course. just pride and ego i don't know a goddamn thing like listen <laughs> we're all in earth school we're all <laughs> on a journey you know like i hope i never ever stop being a curious student mm-hmm. like i want to be a student of earth school for the rest of my life until the day i die i want to be the 85 year old woman like taking notes when I go to the, you know, like mm-hmm. learning from everyone around That's the me. way to live. Right. That's living. And I, yeah, we're all teachers and we're all students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I, I know that's true. And I forget it a lot. I forget all this stuff. I know I sound, I forget things all the time and I can just, you know, I can go back to numbing myself like the best of them. But what I also realized is the more work I do, the quicker I am to come back to the truth. Mm -hmm. And there's shorter spaces between those times. And I'm more compassionate and tender with myself instead of shaming myself for like going back to numbing to just checking out and drinking too much or eating my feelings or, you know, these Mm -hmm. things was like, I love those things. (laughs) Um, I love them. But I'm quicker, I'm way quicker to come back to the truth. And that feels really beautiful to mm. like see that work and to see like it, it, it shows up and it pays off. And, you know, even, I don't know, two years ago, if all this had happened when I'm in the midst of like trying to release a book and tours getting canceled and I don't know if it's even going to like make a blip because no one, like whatever, I would have gone down a like future tripping shame, Mm -hmm. fear, you know, and lost myself for days. And I like, I'm letting myself feel sad and feel my emotions. And when I feel shame come up because I'm like, other people have it way worse. I'm like, okay, I see you shame. I see that you're here. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna, you know, actually I'm going to let you be here. Love is going to drive the bus, Mm -hmm. but I can, you know, seatbelt you in and the baby seat in the back. And you're welcome to be here too. And high fear. I see you like you're trying to keep me safe. Thank you so much. Or high jealousy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see you think there's not enough for all of us, but we, there is. There, the universe is abundant. There is enough for all of us. And love is going to be at the head of the table. But you're welcome here. And I'm not going to shame myself. Like, because that it doesn't go away. That's the thing. Yeah. Like when we try to push it down to the basement, it comes out sideways and it comes back bigger <laughs> and uglier and side, you know, it just, it doesn't go away. And I think embracing our shadow, because we all have shadow, 
We all have light and darkness inside of us. And people that try to deny it aren't living as wholehearted humans. And the more I dance with my shadow, instead of shaming myself or feeling those quote unquote negative or what we would be called bad or, you know, when I was growing up in church, sinful things, it only, that's why people end up doing way bigger, Mm -hmm. more, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're trying to push those things down and it doesn't go anywhere. And all of it is meant to be danced with. And, you know, I feel like Light workers are so important, but like we need shadow workers. Mm-hmm. We need people working with these shadows and like embracing them and covering them in love and tenderness and compassion because it's a part of all of us. Mm-hmm. We're all assholes. <laughs> we just are. We're all the best and we all can be the fucking worst. Mm-hmm. You know, like I constantly, I'm like, humans are the most amazing. And I'm like, God damn it. We are the actual <laughs> worst. We're all of both. Mm-hmm. We just are. And I have all of those things inside of me. Mm-hmm. All of them. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for coming i feel like the timing of this too i know that like this was in the midst of like all this chaotic shit and you're having to cancel tour and and cancel their podcast but i know like definitively this is going to be something that is going to be so helpful to our listeners so yes always the broad the broad squad (laughs) thanks oh my god the broad squad i love you so good also i have your name tattooed on my foot too so no, you don't. Yeah. yeah. It's my daughter's name. Your so. daughter's name is Ruthie? Yeah, Ruth. So, yeah, Ruthie. Stop. Ruthie Ray, aka Ruth. Stop. Yeah. Wait, I love my name and yeah. I love her name. No, so, too. I, my parents nailed it. Name. You nailed it. It's a great, it it's is. A great name. name. Yeah. Oh. And talk about a legacy, you know, friend to all. And here you are. Oh, that makes you. me want to cry thinking oh, about it. Oh, but so yeah, y'all's little kiddos were so wise to choose y'all. Oh, gosh, Jeez. So <laughs> well, out of all of this, but seriously, know. thank you so thank much. You. I think it's y'all. Oh, something that so many people are going to benefit from. And pl- plug away, yes, and yes, oh, your book, your, yeah, plug t- all your shit about. <laughs> we are going to be releasing this, and your, your Instagram, your website, your, your book yeah. will be coming. Where out. do people hear yes. from you? Okay, so um, my website is www.ruthylindsay.com. And right now we're re-gearing up so many things, like because I'm not going to be able to do a normal tour, we'll do virtual things. So I will have all kind of information. We're going to do like a virtual book club um, where I can like come in and join your book clubs through a computer screen and do all kinds of we're just we're having to be really innovative Mm -hmm. and think of this really differently. So um, I'm also um, I have a mailing list and I'm creating a lot of really wholehearted trying to be super intentional about the content. Like I'll be sending out meditations and Mm. I love dancing. So dancing videos and all kinds of stuff. But, um, and then I'm on Instagram just at Ruthie Lindsay. Um, and then my book is coming out April 21st and it's called, thank you. Um, it's called there I am the journey from hopelessness to healing. And can I tell you really fast how I came up with the name? Please. It's a great I know. story. I know. I'm, it's I was curious story. about it because right. there I am instead yeah. of here I am. Yeah. So um, 
I love Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and I have a chapter in my book called Come to Justin Meeting. I'm like, listen, some people go to Jesus. I go to Justin. <laughs> Everything's fine. And there's this thing that happened that is real. Like right after my husband left, Justin Timberlake had a record come out and Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Which one was it? It was the second to last one. Okay. 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 So not the this because I actually um, went through a divorce in 2013. Mm. So this okay. was a while ago. So I, Jimmy Fallon. Is that when Fallon, that song Suit and Tie came yep, out? I, mirror, I love yes, that one. Yes, ma'am. Just yes, like ma'am. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Two discs. Um, so <laughs> Jimmy Fallon had Justin Timberweek. And every night. Jim, I remember yes, that. I remember Every that. night, JT was the <laughs> special guest. And on the fifth night, he had a 15-minute medley, a history of rap, like four. And he was the special guest. And when I would be like in fetal position, I'm going to die, can't survive, I would I had a TiVo. I would go watch Justin Timber week and I would giggle and I would mm-hmm. laugh. And it was actually the first time, like at the time I felt like I had Velcro on my big, just granny panty underwear to the couch and to the bed. And I was like, I can't get up. And I remember just like Velcroing myself up and I danced. I started mm-hmm. dancing to Justin Timber week. And one night I was like <laughs> dancing with my boyfriend, Justin, and I saw my reflection in the window. And the first thought was like, oh, there I am. And this was just like a few weeks after the divorce. But it Jesus. was, I I found myself, you know, mm-hmm. and there I am is also the idea of like coming home to ourselves and um, that just beautiful healing work. So Whoa. Justin yeah, is the reason that. for my, oh my title. God, that title is <laughs> Probably I mean, it was like salvage. <laughs> like, can you imagine calling it salvage, building a beautiful life with broken parts? Like, I was calling myself fucking trash. Literal <laughs> trash. Scrap pile. Yeah. Might as well have gone there. Like, and I got a book deal from yeah. it. That's what they were expecting. I'm like, oh. no, I'm not trash. No, there I oh am. Oh my gosh, good. right? I'm like, I was oh. never broken. Mm. Broken, fucked up things happen to all of us, but we are not broken our essence our souls our beingness can never be broken and i believe that with every part of me with every every part of me and i know that's true for everyone um so yeah anyway beautiful stuff oh my god well i can't, I can't wait to read i cannot wait Thank to read it y'all. and this should be coming out i'm guessing a few days before after your book drops yeah. so awesome. broads hop right on we'll make then. sure that all the info is in the episode notes awesome. and thank you so much thank y'all. you are a light of a human being oh, and i'm like too. lit up right now oh, so thank, thank you, you so much thank y'all this was a treat and with that <sighs> chat, chat soon, soon broads, broads. <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>